Well, once again, thanks so much for joining me today on Grace and Peace Radio. Today, I'm going to continue with part two of my interview with Omar, who is serving in Guadalajara, Mexico. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things we talked about in the first part of the interview. If you haven't listened to the first part, it's okay. Uh, You don't have to listen to it in order to know about this part. Enjoy this part for what it is, and then when you want to, go back and listen to the previous episode and listen to what Omar has to say in part one. I think you'll really enjoy today's episode as well. It's uh, it's not the same. We go over different material. I think you'll really enjoy it. And other than that, keep looking to Jesus. I know the world just seems to be getting uber crazy lately, and I'm not going to go into all of that maybe on another episode, but then again, maybe not. Just know, every time you look up and you see the blue sky, you see a cloud passing by, you see the leaves on the trees, and you see the green and and just everything there. Just let that be a reminder to you. And you see the birds and, and everything in nature. Let that all be a reminder to you that the Lord is still sovereign that Jesus Christ is still Lord, still King, still potentate over the whole universe. And nothing that happens in this world is going to change that. If that means you got to spend less time looking at the headlines, then do it. If that means you got to get off social media for a while or one particular social media, do it. Whatever you got to do, Keep focusing on the Lord and don't let any of that other junk, any of the headlines or whatever, uh, distract you from, from that. In other words, keep the main thing the main thing. Meanwhile, with all the chaos in the world, there is something good going on. And you say, well, good, what is that? The gospel is still advancing. That the message of Jesus Christ, the message that God himself in the form of a man came down, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect, sinless life so that he could then go to the cross and die for his people, atone for their sins, and then three days later be raised from the dead to give us the same new life and that we could share in that power and we can have new life and be cleansed and be purified and have our sins forgiven, our debts paid. We can be ransomed from sin and death through Jesus Christ, for all those who would call out, repent, and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. That message is still advancing. I don't know who exactly, but you know God has saved sinners yesterday. God saved someone the day before. God saved someone the day before. God's going to save someone today, and God's going to do it again tomorrow. So just know that, be encouraged by it, Stay in the Word. Stay in the Scriptures. Soak in the Bible. Take extra time if you need to. And in the mornings, you know, definitely, I highly recommend starting your day with it. Anyway, I'm starting to preach. I don't want to preach. My point was that the gospel goes forth. And this interview, we're going to talk more about that with Omar. So I hope you enjoy the interview. God bless you. And Lord willing, I'll talk to you next week. Feel free to email me, show at graceandpeaceradio.com. I would love to hear from you. If I can pray for you, email me as well. That's show at graceandpeaceradio.com. If you have an idea for the show, send that along. 
feedback, whatever you want. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and it's my hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. Missionaries have been working here for many years, many years, many years. And um, there was little people that was converting before. It seems that now there's more people that is converting or open to the gospel. But the other day, um, we met this lady, and she told us that she came from a small town outside Guadalajara. And she said that uh, um, there is a church, there is a Baptist church there. Her grandmom, her grandmother, was one of the pioneers, the first people that was meeting when the church started. And so how, how, how do you, grandmom, how did she knew, knew the Lord? How did she convert? Tell me her testimony. She said, well, she got sick. So we brought her to Guadalajara, and there was, an host, there was a hospital here in Guadalajara. There still is. It's a hospital called Mexico Americano. It's a hospital that was built by the, by the Southern Baptist churches in the U.S. So they built this hospital, and they brought this lady, and then uh, some missionaries started to talk to her. Uh, she got healed. She left the hospital and went back to her small town. Then the missionaries went to visit her. And then they went to visit her, they found out there was no church in that little town. And so that's how the first <laughs> Baptist church starts. <laughs> it was very neat, huh? like how God used those, the building, the hospital, the missionaries there. Then they went all the way to her town and the church is still there. Yeah, it can be many years, the church is still there. So I think that was a, a very neat uh, testimony. What a great testimony too, that the, the missionaries who started all of that in heaven, they'll find out that decades later, their work continues. Yes, the work continues. And um, I have a friend, he's a, he lives in the U.S., he's Mayan. He, he, his dad was a pastor, but then his dad passed away. And he was, still was not a believer. He became a believer years, year, years after that. And one, one time we were talking, and, um, and he's, man, this life, Christ is awesome. Very excited. I said, do you know that... God answered the prayers of your dad, even after your dad passed away. He, he was in shock. Yeah, really? You, you don't think that your dad prayed for your salvation? And he, and he is already with the Lord, but they, the Lord is answering. And he, wow, he got like connected with his, his dad or something like that. I thought that was, and he was, uh, he was shocked. Yeah, I mean, God is faithful. And he answered those prayers. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I, I've heard that story of uh, George Mueller had, I think, three friends that he prayed for his whole life, like 40 years or something. He prayed for their salvation. Two uh, of them got saved before George Mueller died, and then one of them got saved after. So it's the same sort of story like you just told. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk something about spiritual warfare? I can tell you a story, but I don't know if that will be okay. <laughs> it's okay for me it helps me okay so um i mean i don't i'm not i didn't mention it to sound sensational or to try yeah. to you know but again it was just something that we touched on earlier and and so many people in america they they don't even think about spiritual warfare you know i forget about it yeah i think maybe i mentioned it before i don't know 
But the main thing ever that has happened to me that was um, something that is uh, like difficult to describe, that I always have in my mind, was the first time when I went to missions and I was single. And so uh, the way how we did missions in Peru is way different. There was no training there like we have now. <laughs> you have a calling, you learn as much you can, and they boom, they send you and that's it. You don't have, you don't have uh, strategies, there's no plan, nothing. And so I remember that one, one night, the night before I, I arrived to the mission field, I was like, I have a lot of fight because I have to leave my family, uh, there was at that time a girl that I liked it. I had to leave her. Um, I have friends, so there was a lot of fight. Well, uh, I went to bed, sleep. I don't know what time or exactly how it was. It was like a dream or something like it was real. But at some point, I saw. It's like I sit. I was sitting in my bed, and a light. The door opened, and a light came out from the door. And there was a person there in the light. And I don't know, I didn't see his face. I didn't see his face. I, I noticed I smiled. And I know, somehow I knew that was Jesus. And he came to me and he smiled. And you know, I was a missionary that never smiled before. You, you could see my pictures before those years. I always was serious in my picture. <laughs> but after that, I was, I don't know, I, I learned to smile. So he was smiling, and, um, I, and I hear these words in my heart. I believe from him. He say, no with philosophies. No with, I don't know how to translate, huecas sutilezas. Like, no tricks, no philosophies, but with life and abundant life, he said. And boom, that was like... And that was it. The first month, then the next day I head up to the mission field. The first month were extremely hard. So I was, I was alone there. I was with my guitar and my Bible, a few Christians in the church, and it was extremely hard, even physically. I mean, I was young, but it was hard to walk in the city and in the town and go. But these words were always in my mind. No philosophy, no tricks, life, an abundant life. Lost life, an abundant life. So, it, it helps me a lot. It gave me a lot of uh, strength, especially in those first months to do the mission. I'm always gonna always remember that, and um, I'm gonna be thankful to the Lord for for that thing, you know. For that, yeah. Right, right. I just wanna let you know that that's the main thing that ever happened to me. Let me ask you this: How do you reconcile an experience like that with your reformed? Baptist faith that says, I mean, I'm assuming you're cessationist. No, 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 no. I'm not cessationist. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Well, well, then there you go. I just answered my question. We, we do need to define what reform means. So, and so uh, in, in, in a different road, like I was reading a post, for instance, of one professor at seminary, Owen Stretcher, Owen something. And he was saying that, for instance, uh, we do think that, uh, like, he was talking about the limit atonement. 
he was telling that we see sometimes limit atonement has a mark of being reformed. But the limit atonement as we know now is not the same way that, for instance, Spurgeon thought about it. And as far as I know, I have been reading Calvin, and I don't find, I don't find Calvin <laughs> talking the same way that we talk about limit atonement. So, so he was saying something like, we need to, we need to define what a reform means, in what sense. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a moderate, no secessionist person. Yeah, I am moderate, no secession, no secessionist person. I just don't see that in the Bible. I just don't see that in the scriptures. And, um, but even that, we need to define what we're talking about. When we talk about no secessionist person, I do think that there is a spiritual world. God still kill people. He can do whatever he wants. And there is people that still have that gift, but that doesn't mean that because they have that gift, they can be doing that all the time. It's like just evangelism. Everybody can evangelize. But there is people that are very good at that, that are calling to do that. And so I do think that there is, a, there is a, the same thing can happen with all the spiritual gifts. But I do recognize that there are, there are gifts that are not in use how they used to be before. But it's still there, and I don't think that the Bible, from my perspective, teach that those gifts are over. Yeah, I don't know if someday they will be reactivated or no, but they are no, no, right. over. Okay, um, I meant to ask you too. You had mentioned that two percent of the population are would, are classified as evangelical Christians. Yes, two two to three percent. Yes, uh, of those, how many would you say are solidly evangelical versus how many are Pentecostal or prosperity gospel? Oh, okay. Yeah, is, is, do you have that? Is, is that a big problem there? When I say that two or three percent, my source is uh, every 10 years, the Mexican government do a census. Every 10 years. And so that, that's my source. It shows that it's like around two, three percent. But you know, the government is secular, and they put all together. They put Baptists, they put uh, Pentecostal. There is a sect here in, in, it's from Guadalajara. It's called Luz del Mundo, something like Light of the World. That's a sect. They have their prophet, and they think that, no, they, they, they have their apostle. And they trust the apostle like he's Jesus. But they put us all together. So actually, the percentage of Baptists or Presbyterian, or, 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 or churches like that is lower. It's lower than three or two percent. It's lower. But there is also, there is also several, um, there is other churches that they, uh, they don't identify like reform. They don't even say Iglesia, Bautista, Baptist Church, or Presbyterian. They just say uh, Christian, communi Christian community, blah, 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 or something like that. And some of them, well, they have a good theology. They have a biblical ground theology, and uh, and of course there is also there is also Pentecostals here, but you know what? There is no many Pentecostal here like it is in other places. Yeah, I don't know why. There is no many Pentecostals Pentecostal churches here like it is in Peru, for instance. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And I know that even even the Catholicism there is radically different than it is here in America. One of the things that the Catholic Church yeah. did over their history was they let it get syncretized 
with wherever the whatever the culture was doing in that area. So the 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 Mexican version of Roman Catholicism is very very different than yeah than here well, in America. And and some things I do think is different. It is no different in the sense that the Catholic system has as a whole teach that salvation is by works. Yeah, as they say by grace, they say by grace, but it's a grace that you earn if you do the sacraments. <laughs> what kind of grace is that? <laughs> so, so that's works. So that's the same in the US, that's the same in Mexico, that's the same everywhere. But in the cultural aspect, I do think that maybe the high percentage of evangelical churches in the US have influenced somehow the Catholics there as well. Because I noticed that there was Catholics there that they were a little bit more biblical than the Catholics here. They still say that salvation is by grace. They say, well, grace, but you have to get baptized, right? Yeah, you have to get baptized, so that's not, that's not there. You have to do this, okay. But here is much more cultural, much more uh, syncretism, as you say. And um, yeah, it can be shocking for a person that is a Catholic in the U.S. coming to Mexico and go to some places and see some of the things that you see here. It, it can be a shocking, but but if you check the doctrine, especially salvation, you'll find out that it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, the core of it is the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking some of the cultural influences, well, like even the Day of the Dead or some, I don't remember, if it was a feast day or something, but you know, where people were doing the, this long walk through town or something like that. Oh yeah. 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 That's uh, a, that's a lot. That's happening in other states where we were living in, in, uh, in Chiapas. Uh, by the way, if you ever come to Mexico, I recommend you to visit Chiapas. And in Chiapas, there is a town called Chamula. Chamula is, is well known for their syncretism. They have a temple. And let's well, de let's define for listeners what syncretism is. Okay, well, the syncretism is a mix of religious beliefs. It can be any mix, but it's a mix of religious beliefs, and they produce a new creature, <laughs> a, a, a something different. It's a little I, like, bit of, we well, we might so. say, like in in Haiti, for example, somebody comes from a voodoo background. They might incorporate their voodoo into their Catholicism, and that would be an example uh -huh. of syncretism. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah okay. And, and so, so go back to, yeah, so go back to your story then, now that we understand that. So, so, in, that, so in that town of Chamula, um, the main attraction in that town is that temple. It's a little temple. All the, all the Catholic temples in Mexico are pretty. <laughs> they are just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very cool. So the temple is very cool, but once you enter, you are not allowed to take pictures. No videos at all. They are very strict with that. But when you enter, uh, you see that, for instance, there is no, uh, there is no, you say benches, places where you sit. There's no benches. Instead, there is a uh, pine leaves on the floor. All the floor is covered with pine leaves, and um, then you have groups of people, chamula people, sitting mostly by families sitting just on the, on the floor, on the pine leaves. And, uh, and you can see someone that is sacrificing a chicken, for instance. Someone is sacrificing a chicken there, and they are drinking some kind of liquor is, that is called posh. They're drinking, and uh, 
and they are praying. And they are not praying to Jesus. <laughs> they are, you can see there the, the mix of syncretism. They mix some Catholic, they kicked they kick the Catholic bishop years ago from that place. And so they start doing their own thing. It's a Mayan, it's a Mayan group. So they mix some of the Catholicism with the Maya beliefs and they, they create something new. Yeah, they create something new. Um, well, that's, a, that's an example, or that's kind of an extreme example, interesting example from a, a theological or um, anthropological stand, standpoint. But you see stuff like that everywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. I was gonna say, you know, it, it might sound yeah. shocking to some to some listeners who who aren't don't come from a a culture that would still do animal sacrifices but yeah. as far as blending these ideas we do it in america we just do it like you said earlier in a in a more intellectualized way mm -hmm. uh, you know there are a lot of people that well for example there are a lot of catholics in america that they'll take a little bit of the Catholic church, but then they say, yeah, but I'm pro-abortion. I'm Catholic, but I'm for homosexuals getting married or whatever the case is. So it's a different form, but it's still a form of right. separatism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like more like a secularism with Christianism, right. something like that. Here yeah. is most like two religion, religious beliefs that you know that, that's how the syncretism is here and um and there is also people here especially in this area that are very very catholic uh active catholics so they read their um they have a book for, for catholics it's a, a catechism or something like that they read a book they study that they have their own catholic preachers and and the Catholic Church in the Americas has been losing ground. The Evangelical Church has been growing, growing, growing. It seems that they uh, got a little bit worried about that. And so now they, uh, they have a couple, two or three Catholic bishops that are very popular on the internet, that they go straight to say things against the Evangelicals, straight. They start to criticize it straight. So I do think that that's an attempt to they try to keep their people and uh and so there is there is some people like that here in these places uh guadalajara is the place that have the biggest catholic seminary in the world biggest than in bigger the biggest catholic seminary in the world bigger than in italy and so there is many catholic bishops that came out from this place i did not know that yeah and uh something that May, you may find interesting is that years ago, many years ago, um, the government, the Mexican government, tried the Mexican government tried to get rid of the Catholics here in Mexico, or uh, some of the right. The Catholics church owned a lot of property in Mexico. They were trying to take it all, and so there was a war. It's called the War of Cristeros. It was between the government versus the Catholic Catholics, especially in this area of Bajio, and. Uh, and there was a lot of death. There was a lot of people that, you know, people became more Catholic because they went against the government. Um, I have a friend, a local friend, that he just showed me yesterday or two days ago, 
uh, a picture of his one of his ancestors, and he's he was one of those soldiers. He's he fight for the Catholic Church, and um, and so you know, so many people grow up with that, with that, and they identify strongly as Catholics. They do think that it's a betrayal if they leave the Catholic Church. It's a betrayal to their ancestors if they leave the Catholic. I was actually talking to to my wife about that just this past week that when someone grows up Catholic, because I, I grew up Catholic, so I'm familiar with it. Even if you're not a practicing Catholic, it's like a nationality. You, yeah. Omar, could no more not be Peruvian. That's what you grew up. You are a, a Peruvian man. And, but yeah. Catholic, and Catholics identify in that way. Like, I'm going to die a Catholic. I haven't set foot in a Catholic church in 75 years, but I'm Catholic. And then, you know, especially if it's like up in Boston, it's Irish Catholic. If it's New York, it's Italian Catholic. You know, you also, or even out in the Midwest, it might be Polish Catholic in, in some parts of Cleveland. So you've got this, this real ethnic tie to this Catholicism that you feel like if I leave this, I'm giving up my heritage somehow, which isn't true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think in the Americas, in the Americas, in a, in a general sense, you know, there is always exceptions, groups, families, etc. But in a general sense, um, the Mexican Bajio, which is this area and the states around, it may this may be the place where uh, where people are more tie or identify with the Catholicism in the Americas, and that will make it extremely hard for them to leave. Some of the people uh, even lose customers. <laughs> if someone is a, have a business and became Catholic, they're gonna lo lose their customers. Um, of course, it's gonna have trouble in their families. And um, so yeah, probably this, I don't think this is the place where people identify more Traditionally, has Catholics, right. and it's hard to, you know, to get rid of that stuff. So, um, but yeah, yeah, this is a this is a situation here. And yet, the gospel prevails, and and is is yes, and um, and the gospel prevails, and God, in His wisdom, sometimes He He uses everything. Sometimes He uses some people are Catholic, and they okay, they are respectful of God. And the word of God, they say, oh, the word of God. Even that they didn't read or study, the word of God said the word of God. And so sometimes you use those things. But hey, do you want to read with me the word of God? The word of God? Oh, yeah, they say. And then when they start reading, they find, they find out things. And they say, whoa, I didn't know this. Wow, I never read this. And so, <laughs> so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you, I mean, I, I, the Holy Spirit is going to use some things that are familiar for for them or, or things that we have in common so we can start talking about the gospel. But uh, the difficult part, um, this is interesting. For Normally the difficult part is when you have to deal with sin, with the fact that you have to recognize that you are a sinner and you are lost and people don't like to recognize that. It is true here as well, but I, I think that a very difficult part is the cost that you have to pay if you became a believer. That's, that, that's, that's something in people's mind. If I do this, I know this is true, but if I do this, 
oh, my parents, my cousins, my grandma, everybody in the neighborhood is gonna know. So that's, it is a very hard thing for the people here. What, and, and tell me about that cost. What, what does that look like? Do they, do they cut them out of the family altogether or do they just not talk to them well, as much? What, tell me about that cost. Well, there is people that's gonna pay a higher cost than others here. So there is, but in a general sense. Such, such as, what would, be a, what would be a high cost? Oh, here? Uh, ooh, um, you're not gonna die here. Like it happens sometimes in Muslim countries. But you can get uh, kicked out of your house or your home. There is families that sometimes houses are multi-generational. Two families living with three families, they get out here. Uh, they can lose their jobs. There is a couple of jobs here. Like for instance, there is a pharmacy, a pharmacy that's very popular, it's everywhere. If you wanna work there, if you wanna apply, and if you are not Catholic, you don't work there. And they openly tell you, no, look, we, we have these beliefs and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's a clearly religious discrimination, but nobody can do anything about it. So, uh, so you, can, you, can, you, you, will, you will get kicked out of that job and other jobs. If you decide to follow Christ, you can get kicked out of your house or lose your business. Um, yeah, so, so, so this is some of the things that can happen. Not to everybody, not to everybody. There is, there is a lot of people that live here, but they came from other towns, from other cities. So they came here to study or to work. And so don't, don't have too much of that family pressure. So there is one area as well here that where there is a lot of people like that that came to live in this city. Lot, lots of young families. And it's one of the areas where we are planning to plant a church because they don't have this strong family pressure on them. Again, you know, just fascinating. Someone told me that this is a good place that this is a good place for Hispanic, Hispanic, people, Hispanic people or Mexican people to be trained if someday they want to go to the Muslim, to the, to the Muslim world. Because many things here, pressure, the cost that you have to pay, you start getting used here and you cannot share the gospel. Like you cannot, you have to be very smart to share the gospel here. Very smart. Really? So you can't go open air preach? No, 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 you cannot open up. No, nobody's gonna listen. People's gonna get mad and no, you get in trouble. And, uh, and there is some areas where you are not allowed to go door by door, by door neither. You know, so you have to build relationship first. You have to build relationship and share the good news. You know, at some point share the good news. And so, um, so people that are, some people that are, are doing missions here, I, I do think that it's gonna be easier for them if someday they go to a, another country, to a Muslim country, because those two things are familiar. It's interesting, and this is America's. It's so close to us in the US, but things like this is gonna happen. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you'll join us next time as we spend time in God's Word, looking at how we can grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service to Him. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash graceandpeaceradio. 
Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.